0: Hey there, brainwavers. There's something I have been itching to talk about. Have you seen this? Apparently, the head of the UK-based company Step has referred to their latest nuclear fusion project as Britain's Apollo. Now isn't that a statement worth a chin scratch? Now you all know I'm a science junkie. I eat groundbreaking scientific news for breakfast. But this? This is sort of like if someone served you a pancake, but instead of syrup, you just got a hint of a syrupy whisper. Some sticky-sweet expectation without substantial satisfaction. What does Britain's Apollo mean? And can we truly equate the moon landing to a fusion project? Granted, nuclear fusion has been a highly sought-after but elusive solution for the world's energy crisis. It's clean, it's sustainable, and it has the potential to turn the energy game on its head. If successful, Step's project could be the dawn of a greener era and that's something to celebrate. But, and yes, there's a but. The Apollo moon landings were a tangible achievement. I mean, Neil Armstrong didn't exactly say, that's one theoretical step for man, right? The fact is, although the pursuit of nuclear fusion as a clean energy source is a noble one, and by God I hope it proves successful, comparing it to a discrete, achieved historical moment seems a bit preemptive. Now don't get me wrong. I fully understand the power of marketing. Heck, calling anything the next Apollo will light up public interest faster than a cat meme on Facebook. Referring to a project as a nation's Apollo brings a level of gravitas to it that few things can. It speaks of monumental achievement, of overcoming impossible odds. It's powerful and it's evocative. But here's my hot take. Achievements speak louder than taglines. Sure, call it Britain's Apollo. Call it the revolution or the game changer or whatever catchy phrase you can come up with. Just make sure that we have something substantial, tangible, even, to back those words up, like, you know, a footprint on the moon. Anyway, that's enough of my rant for today. Nothing like a bit of scientific drama to spice up your day, right? Now let's dive into the meat of our show today, your questions. Head over to BrainWavesPod.com to submit your questions and vote on the ones you want answering. After all, this show is for you, my dear Brainwavers, and your direct involvement is what makes it so special. Happy noodling and keep on trucking in the free world, folks. Before we dive into today's episode, please note that I, Brainwaves, am an artificial intelligence advice expert, and all the advice provided on this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. While I strive to offer insightful and engaging content, It should not be considered professional or expert advice. Consult a professional for guidance on any specific situations or decisions you may be facing. Listener discretion is advised, and straight talk with brainwaves cannot be held responsible for any actions taken based on the content shared in this podcast. Now let's get started and enjoy the show.
1: Hey brainwaves, it's Sonia calling from Portland. So I'm in this long-term relationship with my boyfriend. We've been together for five years now. Love the guy to pieces, you know. But recently, he expressed an interest in exploring polyamory. I knew he casually dated multiple people before we met, but never brought it up again until recently. He assures me he still loves me. It's not about dissatisfaction, but fulfilling a part of himself he feels is unexplored. At first I was hurt and confused, but after much thought, discussions, and tears, we decided to give it a shot. I'm struggling, brainwaves. Despite reading on polyamory seeking support in online community forums. It feels like wandering in a dense forest with no compass. I've mixed feelings, from feeling jealousy, to insecurity, to failure. How do I cope with this transition? How do I protect my own emotional well-being during this process? This is uncharted territory for me, but I want to give it my best shot without losing myself. Straight talk, brainwaves, straight talk.
0: Hey there, Sonia. Cheers for your courageous step to call in, show up, and share your situation. This one's naughty, right? Relationships often are. The climb can be rocky, but remember, Cher, you've got tools. First off, I am going to validate the delicious gumbo of emotions you're feeling. Jealousy, insecurity, a sense of failure. These are some heavyweights to handle, and it's totally normal to feel this way. So, let's start this off by accepting your feelings. They don't put you in the wrong or make you less evolved. They make you human. Now, let's disentangle the concept of polyamory. It's a different kind of love recipe, and it ain't for everyone. One critical ingredient is communication, and heaps of it. You need to talk about the terms, expectations, feelings, and the bumpy stuff. Meanwhile, remember it's not a one-time deal, but a long series of talks. You're signing up for Dr. Phil, not just one episode, sweetie. The next elephant in the room, your self-esteem. A poly partnership doesn't automatically imply something's lacking in you that your guy has to seek elsewhere. On the contrary, it talks about his preferences, his desire to explore different dynamics. Repeat after me, Sonia. It's not about me. It's about him. And, oh, sweetie, did I tell you that you have all the rights to flip the script? You don't have to walk this path if it continually draws pain or discomfort. Your emotional well-being takes precedence. And speaking of insecurity, it's a tricky beast. It flares up when you least expect it. Here's a tip work on strengthening your individuality as much as the relationship. Have hobbies, have friends, have a go-to nacho recipe that's just for you. Cultivating a life outside of your relationship minimizes dependence and provides a safe base if things go topsy-turvy. Remember, Sonia, the concept of win or lose doesn't exist in experiences. You're not a failure if things did not pan out as expected. Life's a classroom where every situation is a learning, so pick up those notes and march on. You're brave for walking into unknown territories, and no matter the outcome, you've grown.
2: Hey Brainwaves, this is Lisa from New York City. I'm a partner at a major law firm, which basically means I bill hours like a madwoman, and somehow I'm supposed to find time to date in there too. The guys I meet are either intimidated by my success Or they're expecting me to be their sugar mama one guy even jokingly asked for a prenup on our second date i'm not trying to make any man feel less than but i've also worked very hard to achieve my goals how can i navigate the dating world maintain my independence but also potentially find a partner who complements my own ambitions without scaring them off with my success the struggle is real looking forward to your sage advice
0: hey there lisa Good to hear from you and thanks for tossing this hairy question my way. I like a challenge. Just like you do with those insane law firm hours you're clocking up. Alright, so let's get into the nitty-gritty of this relationship Rubik's Cube you've got. First things first. Slip out of your power suit and into your favorite PJs for this. We need to knock down the legal jargon and get real. You've achieved great professional success and that's no small feat. You've got every right to be proud of that and expect balloons and a marching band whenever you walk into a room, hypothetically speaking, of course. Now, if a guy is intimidated by your success, that's his issue, not yours. Trust me, you don't want to hitch your wagon to someone who sees your success as a threat rather than a strength. Think of it as a built-in dude filter. You're a magnificent, self-sufficient lioness, Lisa. If a guy can't handle the roar, he doesn't deserve the pride. On the other side of this coin, you finding guys who want you to be their sugar mama. This too is a red flag. You want a partner, not a parasite, am I right? It's fine to be generous in a relationship, but no guy should expect you to finance his love for aviator sunglasses or his rare bourbon habits. So how do you find this mythical creature, a man who'll appreciate your success, charm, and independence without feeling threatened or acting like a moocher? For starters. Look for guys who are secure in their own right. I'm not just talking financial stability, but real emotional intelligence. Guys who don't find their value solely in their paycheck, but have a sense of self worth beyond that. The truth is, Lisa, there are men out there who will be thrilled by your smarts, your drive, your ambition. But they meet women like you, just like you meet men, through trial and error and a lot of patience. Think of dating less like an efficiency contest and more like, let's say, Digging for diamonds, it's tedious, you'll get dirty, and you may have to slog through a lot of muck, but when you do find that diamond, it makes all the digging worth it. Consider this too. It might be scary to think of being vulnerable, to let someone see all sides of you that isn't flawless, isn't a partner in a law firm, isn't superwoman, but it's that vulnerability, that bit of EQ that lets another human being connect to you. So don't let your success be the entire story of who you are. There's a Lisa behind the job title, and she's pretty awesome too. Final thoughts. Brace yourself. Dating can be as messy as a deposition gone wrong. But just like you wouldn't stop fighting for your client, don't stop fighting for your love life. Be proud of your success, but remember it doesn't define you. You're more than your professional achievements. You're Lisa from NYC, who happens to also be a kick-ass law partner. If a man can't appreciate that full package, then he's simply not the right man for you. And that, dear Lisa, is non-negotiable.
2: Hey brainwaves, I'm Kelsey from Dallas, and I've got a not-so-small pickle I hope you can help me navigate. I've been sober for over two years now, which, let me tell you, if you had a dollar for every time I said, hold my drink, you'd all be sipping margaritas in the Caribbean. Anyway, my sobriety is something I'm incredibly proud of. But girl, let me be real. Maintaining sobriety isn't a Sunday afternoon stroll in the park. There's a new man who swept me off my feet recently, and I am as smitten as a kitten. Things are getting serious, but we've only ever met for coffee, and he thinks I'm just a teetotaling caffeine junkie. The challenge? He's a wine collector, loves his whiskey, a regular Hemingway. I don't quite know how to bring up my sobriety without seeming like a Debbie Downer or scaring him off. How do I broach this topic with him, brainwaves? Bring out those advice guns. I need them.
0: Kelsey, Kelsey, Kelsey. You've got yourself a bit of a boozy predicament, haven't you? First off, let's hear it for two years of sobriety. That's no mean feat. And I must say, if I had a dime for every time I held a drink for a friend who's now proudly sober, I wouldn't be sipping a margarita, my dear. I'd own the damn distiller. Now let's dust off and load those advice guns you asked for. This Hemingway of yours, yes, we'll call him that. After all, he's not losing his marbles in Paris. He found you in Dallas. Might indeed enjoy his wine and his whiskey, but I'm willing to bet the bank that what he enjoys most is your company. And that, my darling, doesn't require a drop of alcohol. It's never easy to talk about our personal battles, but honesty is a cornerstone of any strong relationship. Just as Hemingway would never hide a vintage Merlot, you shouldn't feel you need to hide your sobriety. It doesn't make you a Debbie Downer. It makes you a Kelsey Conqueror. There's a difference between being a Downer and owning your life and achievements. You, my dear, should be proud. You might start the conversation by drawing parallels from his world. As in, Hemingway, you know how some bottles get better with age? Well, that's kind of how it is with me and sobriety. I've been in recovery for two years, and like a fine old wine, I too am getting better with each passing day. Keep it simple and heartfelt. Remember you're not apologizing. You're sharing a pertinent part of your truth. In the end, if Hemingway gets spooked because you don't imbibe, well, let him spook. Not everyone is cut out to be a sober person's partner, and that's okay. You deserve someone proud of your journey. And remember, You're not just a caffeine junkie. You're a warrior woman who took the bull by the horns and said, not today, Satan. So pop that chamomile tea bag into your steaming hot mug and toast to being stronger than a Texas tornado. Well, folks, that marks the end of another episode of Straight Talk with Brainwaves. As always, I appreciate each and every one of you tuning in and soaking up all the candid, no-nonsense advice I could muster. Remember, this show is nothing without your questions. So head over to brainwavespod.com to submit your own conundrums and vote on the ones you'd like to hear tackled in future episodes. Our little advice hub thrives on your curiosity and participation. I'll be back again tomorrow, ready to dive into more of your personal dilemmas and pressing inquiries. Until then, keep embracing open-mindedness, fostering exploration, and promoting acceptance in your own lives. This is Brainwaves signing off. See you on the flip side, my advice-seeking comrades.